Hi, thank you for listening to the Pastor's Pulpit Podcast. I'm Pastor John Earls. The sermon you're about to hear was preached at the Tarrant Bible Methodist Church located in Tarrant, Alabama. I want to thank you for listening and welcome you to be our guest for our services on Sunday mornings at 11. You can visit our website at www.tarrantbiblemethodist.com to find out more information about our church. I trust you will find this sermon beneficial as we open God's Word together and seek to apply its truths to our lives. This past Wednesday and Thursday was Yom Kippur on the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement. It's considered the most holy day on the Jewish calendar. It, it marks the culmination of what they call 10 days of holy all. It's a period of introspection, supposed to be a period of introspection and a period of repentance. Uh, begins with the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and then ends that 10 days with Yom Kippur. Now the first Yom Kippur took place when the Israelites exited Egypt, of course, and arrived at Mount Sinai. And you remember how God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and then Moses came down the mountain and saw the golden calf that the people had erected, and you know the story of how he shattered those stone tablets, and God was going to destroy the people, but Moses interceded on behalf of God's people, and God had mercy. Atonement. He gave Moses another set of tablets. And on that day of Yom Kippur, that would be the day when the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, that one time out of the year. He would enter the inner sanctum of the temple, and there he would take the bull, the blood of a bull that he sacrificed for himself and for his family. He would take that blood and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. He took two goats. One of the goats was sacrificed because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites because of their sin, is what Leviticus 16 tells us. And that blood would be also be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. And then the high priest would place his hands on the head of that second goat. He would confess the rebellion and the wickedness of the Israelites. And then that goat would be released out into the wilderness. And on it carried the sins of the people. The scapegoat. Year after year, this took place. First, the high priest had to make atonement for his own sins. And then for the sins of the people. But then one day, our great high priest, our sinless high priest, came and made atonement once for all. Praise God. No longer do we have to offer the blood of bulls and goats, but now the blood of the spotless Lamb of God has once and for all atoned for our sins. And I believe in Jesus Christ, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The cross of Jesus is at the center of Christianity Paul said the Jews demand a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. That's the message we proclaim. The fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life on our behalf. And now I know this morning all of us know the story. We all know it so well. Well, at least we better. But the cross is our message. 
and what Jesus Christ did on that cross and what He accomplished for us through His resurrection is the reason why we are here this morning. It's the reason why we gather every Sunday morning because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and then when He rose from the dead. And of course, the Apostles' Creed reminds us of that essential belief that Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, took on human flesh and suffered and bled and died for our sins. Now this morning what I want to do is I want to look at just one verse of Scripture this morning. We're actually going to be building on to the Scripture in the coming couple of weeks. But I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. And we're going to look at verse 18, part of verse 18. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 3, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. Maybe I better read it again because I think some of you may have been yawning through it. Think about what this verse says. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. What an incredible, incredible verse of Scripture. And what we see in this verse of Scripture is we see the cross and we see the suffering passion of our Savior on the cross. We're told that Christ also suffered once for sins. Now the question's asked, well, why does the Apostle Creed mention Pontius Pilate? We're told that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Well, why name Pontius Pilate? You know that there's only a couple people named in the Apostles' Creed, and Pontius Pilate's one of them. Why is he mentioned? Well, to make a long story short, he's mentioned to date the Apostles' Creed, and the, not date the Apostles' Creed, to date the crucifixion. At that time, they didn't say in the year 30 because that dating hadn't arrived yet. So you had to place it in a certain time. And, and so in this, when this creed was initially written, it placed specifically the fact that Jesus suffered during and under the reign of Pontius Pilate. Now, there's, there's reasons for why they would want to specifically name that. And it wasn't to blame Jesus' crucifixion on Pilate, but it was to date it. But it was to make clear that Jesus was a very real human being. Of course, he was fully God and fully man. But Jesus was a very real human being who was crucified at a point of time in history. Because some of the early heresies that arose was to take away the fact that Jesus was a very real human being. But he, he very much was fully man. And during the reign of Pontius Pilate, he suffered, and He died on the cross for you and me. And it wasn't just Pilate who was guilty of crucifying Jesus. It was you and it was me who was guilty of crucifying our Savior. It was our sins that nailed Him there on the cross. 
But he went to the cross voluntarily. In fact, he went intentionally. He went volitionally. He went to the cross as Jesus said himself. He said, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus willingly went to the cross. It wasn't Pilate and his power that put him there. But Jesus willingly laid down his life for our sins. And when you think about the cross and you consider all that went into, the, into what led up to him dying on the cross, all the suffering that he went through, you, you know that he very much went through incredible suffering. I mean, can you imagine being in such agony that your sweat turns into drops of blood. But we know that's what happened on the cross. Now there's been some times in my life when I've been through some pretty strong emotional agony. I'll never forget the day. It was the first day of my internship in college. I had just showed up. I was waiting on the porch for Barry Arnold to come pick me up. And when he came, he just received a phone call. That my mother had overdosed on pills. And I didn't think she was going to live. I was in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And my mom was in the hospital in Columbus, Ohio. I don't remember much of that drive. It was pouring rain. And I made it in much shorter time than was legally allowed. That's all I remember. And the other thing I remember was going to the hospital and curling up at a ball on the windowsill in the waiting room, not knowing if my mom was going to live. I was in some pretty intense emotional agony in that moment. But it was nothing compared to what Jesus went through. To where great sweat drops of blood rolled down his face. And he was in a battle, and it wasn't a battle with God. It wasn't a battle with the Father. It wasn't a battle with the devil. I mean, one little word can fell him, as the songwriter said. But Jesus was battling his own humanity. The fact that he was fully man. He knew what he was about to face, the cup of suffering. And he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, if you're, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And then he cried out in that, what's called the cry of dereliction, dereliction where he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let me just clarify something here just real quick like this morning. This, this cry that Jesus makes, sometimes we preachers can go a lot of places sometimes with that cry, and, and I've went places before that weren't accurate, and I'm going to just own up on one of them this morning. You, you know that song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us? It's a beautiful song. But there's a part of the song, one line of the song, that's just not accurate. It says, The Father turns His face away. Did the father turn his face away from the son when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a common claim. Preachers, we like to make it. 
It's not accurate. Because if it was accurate, I think it would have uh, it would caused a rupture in the Trinity. Put God against God. Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. And if the Father had turned his face away from the Son, it would have resulted in a broken trinity. Jesus didn't cry out because the Father had turned away from him. He cried out, I think, because he was identifying with us in our humanity. He represents us. And sometimes we feel like we've been forsaken by God. What was Jesus' last words on the cross? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So if the Father had turned his face away from the Son and there was a rupture in the Trinity, no, I don't think when Jesus' last words would have been, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think the words of someone in who, who in his humanity knew that despite the awful suffering that he was in, he was the beloved son of the Father in whom the Father was well pleased. And my point in all that, did I just lose sound? I'm still here. Problem in all that, or what the point in all that I should say, is that Jesus went through intense suffering on our behalf. Whether or not you agree with all that I just said about the Father, it doesn't matter. But the point is, it does matter. But the point is, this morning, Jesus really suffered as a man. Yes, he was fully God. But as fully man, he endured incredible suffering on our behalf. Oh, I could talk to you about the lashes that he bore the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. You know all of those things. You know the slapping and punching and hitting that he went through. The 39 lashes. Nearly 400 marks on his body of that whip. Beat to a bloody pulp. And then his hands nailed to the cross, his feet nailed. And his blood flowed. And why did he do it? He did it all for you and for me. He did it. He endured the suffering of the cross because he did it with a substitutionary purpose in mind. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. Who's the righteous? He's the righteous one. Who's the unrighteous? You and me. But Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. It was us who deserved to die for our sins, but Jesus took our place on the cross. He did it all for you and for me. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took on himself the punishment that we, don't des or that we deserved, and he didn't deserve. He's the great suffering servant of Isaiah 53. That servant who is, we're told that he bore our grief. 
He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was stricken for the transgressions of my people. He will bear their iniquities. He bore the sins of many. He did it all for you and me as our substitute. Instead of collapsing in grief over our rejection, he bore our griefs. Instead of increasing our sorrows, he carried our sorrows. Instead of avenging our transgressions, he was pierced for them in our place. Instead of crushing us for our iniquities, he was crushed for us as our substitute. And you and I did absolutely nothing to deserve any of it. I don't care how good of a person you may think you are. None of us deserve any of this. But he did it all in our place. And aren't you thankful this morning that the righteous suffered for the unrighteous? The love of God. Undeserving. Well, why did he do it? Well, Peter tells us that he might bring us to God. You see, his sacrifice on the cross was the satisfying provision that was needed for our sins. What did his suffering and his substitution do? It made it possible for us to come to the Father. It was the love of God that sent God's only Son into the world. It was the holiness of God that required satisfaction. And wherever holiness is talked about in the Bible, love is always nearby. And whenever God's love is manifested, it doesn't cease to be holy. Sometimes we forget this. Our world forgets this. The church world often forgets this. They love these days to talk about God loves everyone. And yes, God loves everyone. But God is also holy, and he requires that his people be holy. And you can't have one without the other. You, can have, you can't have God's love without his holiness, and you can't have his holiness without his love. Because a love that lacked holiness would hardly be just if it ignored sin. And holiness would not be love if it didn't affect in reconciliation with us and God. But God's love is a holy love. God's holy love bridges the gulf between us and God. And Jesus Christ is our satisfying provision. The Apostle John said, And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul said, while we were still weak at the right time, at just the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Just the right time. When we were weak, still bound by sin, that's when Jesus Christ died for us. For God shows His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Amen. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, 
His love has a magnetic effect. Jesus isn't saying in John 10 that when he's lifted up, everyone will be saved, but he'll draw all men to himself. And his spirit is here this morning to draw lost sinners to himself. When Jesus died, we know that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's the power of Jesus' death on the cross. The most holy place was opened up. Even the high priest in the temple could only enter that holy place once a year. There was a barrier between God and man. God's eyes are too pure to look at evil. He cannot tolerate sin. And the veil was a barrier to make sure that man wouldn't carelessly or irreverently enter into God's awesome presence. That high priest every year had to first make meticulous preparations. Preparing himself washing himself, putting on special clothing, burning special incense. The smoke of the incense had to cover his eyes so they didn't have a direct view of God. He had to bring blood for himself and for the, other, for the people. But the veil was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. And because Jesus Christ is the satisfying provision for our sins, you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We can come boldly into the presence of our Heavenly Father. All we have to do is say, Our Father, which art in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray. Why can we do that? We can do that because of Jesus Christ satisfying provision on the cross. Without it, we wouldn't dare come near God. You remember what happened in the Old Testament when someone would dare just reach out and put their hand on the Ark of the Covenant, struck dead in an instant. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God, when he, when he looked up and saw the holiness of God, he said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, he wrote this. He said, God is the only comfort. He is also the supreme terror. The thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. He is our only possible ally and we have made ourselves his enemies. Some people talk as if meeting the gaze of absolute goodness would be fun. They need to think again. They are still only playing with religion. Goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to the way you react to it. So my question for you this morning is how have you responded to what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross? Do you understand this morning that his suffering passion on the cross was for a substitutionary purpose of providing for you and for me the satisfying provision for your sins and for mine? Amen. 
C.S. Lewis again, he says, goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to how you react to it. And Lewis went on to say, and we have reacted the wrong way. Well, how about you? How have you reacted? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ's provision on the cross? Or are you stubbornly persisting in your sin? Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Blood was shed because, as the author of Hebrews reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. Christianity is a bloody religion. We, we talked recently here on, I think it was a Wednesday night, we mentioned that, I mean, can you imagine the scene when Solomon's dedicating the temple and there's thousands, over 100,000 uh, lambs that are slain and their blood offered as sacrifice to God. It, just an awful scene. Awful scene. But a much more horrible scene is what Jesus Christ endured on the cross for you and me. The Passion of the Christ movie couldn't even do it justice. And that's horrible enough. Christianity is a bloody religion. And when you think back of all those sacrifices, it's enough to turn your stomach. Because sin is disgusting. Sin is gross. And it should be gross to us. Because sin is what calls Jesus to shed his blood for our sins. The purpose of the blood shedding under the old covenant was to drive home the seriousness of sin because sin is a deathly serious issue. And it's because sin is so serious that Jesus endured every slap every crack of the whip, every punch, every thorn in his head, every nail that was driven. And on the day of atonement, Jesus Christ suffered and died for you and for me. So let me ask you this morning, do you believe? Can you say, I believe in Jesus Christ? I'm not talking just with the words. All of you can say it with your lips. But can you say it from your heart? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried can you say that from your heart if not that's why we're here today because we want more and more people to join in our worship of our savior because jesus christ suffered and died for you and he deserves the reward of his suffering and so if there's sin in your life i encourage you the altar's open for you to come and pray I want you to stand with me. Jordan, if you'd come back to the piano, I'd like us to sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I want us to 